0: Welcome to the Sheila Hammer Extractive Podcast. Today, my guest is Dion Hamilton. Dion is uh, a governance, risk, and compliance subject matter expert with a track record of executing strategic business transformation initiatives in finance, accounting, and information technologies. His other capabilities include project management, and he has some experience in the extractive sector. Dion, welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive podcast. It's lovely to have you.
1: Well, thank you very much, Sheila, and thank you for having me. And I look forward to the experience.
0: So, you know, mindful that uh, you are a financial uh, accounting uh, professional. I wanted to ask you, what is the contribution of a financial accountant to governance?
1: Okay, that's a very good question, um, indeed. Thank you for the question, Sheila. Uh, what I would like to say is that accounts play a key role in corporate governance. Um, I'd like to address it from two perspectives. One is the external perspective, and then I'll follow up with the internal perspective. So from an external perspective, you know, corporations are accountable to the public for various reasons, right? A proper accounting and reporting um, helps those uh, corporations or other organizations meet their public obligations. Um, So, for an example, you know, with tax reporting, most um, organizations and companies have to um, comply with their tax um, obligations of their respective host countries. So, having uh, reliable, incredible information is necessary to accommodate this. And, of course, this work is done internally by accountants within those organizations. Secondarily, um, from an external perspective, they also are accountable to shareholders. So corporations especially are primarily accountable to their shareholders you know who are also considered owners of the part of the organization from this perspective the corporations are obligated to provide their shareholders with periodic reliable financial information so and in this information is usually stemming from the internal preparation Of financial statements and then these financial statements are then translated into the tax uh, related information or other you know financial information that is needed by the shareholders Mm -hmm. from an internal perspective let's think about it in terms of just the routine activities that are done uh, within the uh, within an organization so planning and budgeting right so senior management of these corporations um, rely on making informed decisions based upon financial information that is provided to them. I'll give you one good example, you know, sort of uh, organization plans to invest in an opportunity that they have forecasted is going to achieve a a 10% return on investment. Well, when they actually measure that return, the return is... Comes in at eight percent. Well, now that's under, right? So then the question becomes: Okay, well, why was actual less than planned? So th- that's usually based on information that's provided to them from the internal planning and budgeting process, and then of course the uh, the review and anal- analysis of that information based on the actual to plan is going to be driven by: Okay, well, why did we not achieve the result that we originally intended? From a cash flow management perspective, you know. Accurate financial information is necessary to assist with making short-term decisions, right? Via the management of cash flow. So, as an example, right, like right now the global, there's a global um, um, financial crisis going on, right? Um, same with inflation. So, during these times of in- financial uncertainty, uh, organizational management must make decisions regarding how best um, to spend their cash based on how much is available to spend. So these all of this is reliant upon information that's provided by accountants.
0: Hmm. So basically, uh, from a governance perspective, these become tools for oversight by uh, those who oversee the executive. But they also become tools for being able to report reliably to the taxman the level of revenue and, therefore, enabling the taxman to levy the right level of tax and, and failure to do this can compromise from a compliance perspective but it can as you rightly said also compromise from a risk mitigation perspective because if you don't have the right if you wish uh, accounting and financial information uh you might not be able to plan and mitigate the risk of uh cash flow but th- th- that's all very good what isn't in- clear is these issues let- let's just uh, think of governance from the external Stakeholder as opposed Mm -hmm. to a shareholder. What is the value then uh, of uh, this reporting from an accountability uh, perspective, especially when one thinks of extractives and accounting to the public?
1: Okay, well, you know, first and foremost, um, you know, the information needs to be accurate and reliable. Right. So, from that perspective, uh, when you're when you're reporting out to these uh, external um, bodies or agencies uh, or, or populations, uh, you need to make sure that as as such that information is accurate and and, and uh, reliable. Also, you know, there's another part of accountancy where we don't think about it. You know, I would like to address it from the what I call the auditor's perspective. Right. So you have not just your external audit, but I'm thinking more of your internal audit and other what we call separate evaluations that must be performed. So the information, even though, in order for the external stakeholders to rely upon it, they need to have comfort that the information isn't uh, complete and accurate and reliable. So this is where you have either bodies internally um, that uh, prepare the information, such as your finance departments um, your internal audit functions that review the information, but also when you think of the public accountants, right? So public accountancies come in and perform audits of that information, therefore a, a certifying or attesting to the reliability of the information.
0: Sure. So if you think of uh, this whole uh, system of financial reporting, uh, how has the ESG uh, reporting affected the way you disclose financial information, if at all?
1: Okay. No, that's uh, it has. Um, what we're seeing is that traditionally, um, when we think of financial reporting, we, we think primarily of just um, very explicit financial information. What we are seeing from ESG is that now you're starting to incorporate non-financial information, into the consideration of your financial outputs, right? so for example, uh, when we think of esg ESG really comes down to three what we call three pillars, right environmental social governance. from an environmental standpoint really the 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 essence of that of that of these requirements are, okay, is that organization or that company being a good steward of the environment? And this being a good steward is measured by, okay, well, how do you handle emissions from your production process? How do you, do you use recycled materials? Are you using virgin materials every time you produce a good? Uh, Are your business practices centered around conservation of the limited natural resources that we have? Whereas for example, the social elements now deal with more like, okay, well, how how does the company treat its employers, suppliers, customers, community, and other stakeholders? Right? And this is evidenced by, okay, well, what is the uh, employee, what is the employer's development and labor practices? You know, what kind of health and state safety standards do they follow? Um, how do they treat their supply chain members? And do you have equal participation in that process? And of course, we just uh, address the governance. But governance more leads about, okay, well, how does the company conduct this, what we call as business and it's oversight and um, stewardship uh, responsibilities enrolled. So from this perspective, we were looking at, okay, well, what is, how qualified is the senior leadership and are they doing right? What's best for all of those um, stakeholders that we just talked about in the social aspect? Mm. Um, so, what is executive pay? Is it in line with best practices or is it skewed, et cetera, so on?
0: Sure, so would it be fair to say that, uh, Financial reporting has always had an eye on the G, which is the governance, as you rightly said, the oversight, the compliance, which is why we have both internal and external audit uh, functions. But that perhaps the E and the S is relatively new. And to that effect, has the E and the S also found its way specifically in the financial reporting space? And if so, how?
1: no so yes yeah. so to um to respond to your question yes the governance has always been there and yes it's the e and the s that um have not been there and so what we have found right is that you're having a lot of um factors that kind of uh, contribute to or have have driven why there's a need for this additional information right so what i would like to say is that there are primarily three um, drivers that has affected the um, what I would call the emergence of the not traditionally non-financial information. Um, those three um, reasons are one, just technology, right? The the rate of technological uh, innovation that's going on in the world today is driving the need for additional information in terms of the specific outputs of corporate performance, et cetera, and so on. Of course, we cannot forget climate change, right? So the impact of all these changes on our natural environment. Um, is 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 having a very very dramatic uh, effect on on um, not just our world but also the how we will report that information, how organizations and companies will report that information, and then last but not least is what I would call. Um, there's just always been a a quest, if you want to call it, for more information or transparent or transparency, and this is being driven by the external stakeholders, whether those stakeholders are investors regulators, et cetera, and so on.
0: Hmm. So, you know, it's one thing for you and I to speak about financial reporting, disclosure, more scrutiny, ESG. But suffice to say that a lot of the language, a lot of the systems and processes that are used in financial reporting are quite complex and tend, in my experience, to speak to the professional. Yet, to your point, Mm -hmm. there exists a plethora of stakeholders, some of whom uh, are not entirely au fait uh, with these processes. And so I have to ask you, you know, how can we help the layman understand? How can we change or improve financial accounting and disclosure systems such that not only are they compliant with accounting standards, but actually, you know, a person who's not in a country can read and understand that because otherwise we are leaving a whole population of important stakeholders nonetheless.
1: That's also a very good question. Um, I'd like to address um, my answer um, in this manner. Um, first and foremost, um, all of the current measures to incorporate includes e- ESG-related um, information is is going to cause what I call an alignment of your traditional financial-related performance with the non-financial, and this is what I mean by that. Because of all of this now emphasis on all this new um, non-financial information, such as the climate change, you know, your social um, social return on investment, etc., and so on. Uh, what we're seeing is that the outputs, in my opinion, the outputs of corporate performance will partially include those traditional financial measures. But as we continue, as ESG continues to evolve, you're going to see those um, non-financial quantitative measures be looked at, so plain and simple. Okay, as ESG evolves, you know, what we will see is that financial reporting, in in my opinion, is going to evolve where you're going to see this both non-financial and financial information being presented. But the non-financial emission is going to be based upon standardized, what we call KPIs, key performance indicators, or metrics, and or metrics. And they're going to be answering basic questions. Okay, what is your corporation corporate performance impact on climate change? What is your organization's impact on the use of energy? How is it that you're in your production process? Are you handling waste, greenhouse gas emissions, et cetera, so on? From a social standpoint, okay, how is it that you're giving back to the to the um to your community? Okay. Also, what are the human rights? How are you addressing human rights? Um just gaps in your in in your in your um in the, in the specific locales that you operate. So that's what I mean by the melding of both the financial and the non-financial information. Does this make sense?
0: It does indeed, uh, because what we are what you're basically saying is that. Uh, exactly to our original point that the emphasis was traditionally on the gene. Uh, mm-hmm. As we we recognize the importance of the E and the S, uh, our accountings uh, in terms of the scope of what we account for is going to expand to include this. The result mm-hmm. of which is that, that exactly that piece of information, which is what largely concerns your average person, they will find it in the narrative. And that, that will be much more uh, straightforward in his presentation because it's not really about accounting standards, but hopefully people will be able to go to this one place and find the information. It, it, it makes perfect sense. You know, I, I have to, I am mindful that you are in the corporate rather than public uh, arena, but uh, I can't help uh, wondering you know, is is there a difference, do you think, in your mind between how Corporates must report on those things Uh, in comparison, for instance, to say publicly, by public, I mean like state-owned entities. Should there be a difference or do you think that in effect uh, there ought to be reporting the same way and governments ought to hold themselves and their own entities to the same standard as they do corporates? Um, That's a double-edged sword.
1: What I I would say is is that um, just by their inherent um, design and nature and scope of what their of their roles and responsibilities what i would say about governmental institutions is that these institutions are you know you're talking about dealing with public funds right so their primary um, commitment to me should be their citizens so given that they're you know they're hopefully they're driving um, or deriving revenue from from tax levies, tax assessments, but we also know that, you know, there on the continent and other and other places that you know you also have emerging uh, economies, and so they rely on outside third-party donors and sponsors. Um, but that being said, there should be a, a a should still be that a baseline in terms of the amount of financial information that is uh, required to be divulged. I just think that the just the inherent organizational structure of a government institution versus mm. how a corporate um, entity um, is designed, there are going to be some nuances and differences.
0: No, absolutely. Because to your point, you you are you are also dealing with a different set of stakeholders and their interests and and their governance concerns uh, are different and also. Uh, when a government regulates a private entity or publicly listed entity, it uses different mm-hmm. instruments uh, of the law of, uh, to those that it uses when it regulates a state-owned entity. So already uh, the framework for reporting and the framework for governance is different. Uh, b- but hopefully the government doesn't presume uh, that ESG is is justice uh, is, is less important in that space, but simply adjust in terms of reporting re- uh, requirements. And, and speaking of uh, reporting requirements, I'm mindful mm-hmm. that the New York Stock Exchange now uh, has introduced regulations that require ESG reporting. And And I can't help thinking, in a world in which uh, there's call for more reporting because you have financial reporting, and then you have GRI reporting, and then you mm-hmm. have reporting on carbon footprint, and 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 so forth and so forth. In in a world in which there's really so much reporting, uh, what does that mean for men like you in this profession, who not only must report but report quickly, but a lot and accurately?
1: Also, you're giving me some very good questions here, Sheila, but what I would say is that um, there, what's the best way for me to put this? I think that um, there must be this normal evolution, right? So meaning that, you know, historically, you know, I previously just used to always be immersed in the financial reporting aspect of of these type of disclosures now with the emergence of ESG and looking at non financial information what i think that does is it prevents a more a clearer picture to the reader right so if you if now your your reports your disclosures are now more comprehensive and not only comprehensive but they have evolved they have evolved over time to actually address how things have changed in the global in the global environment. So for example, we're transitioning we're in a world where we're currently transitioning from more fossil fuels based um, energy production to um, renewable energy sources, right? So then the question now becomes how do we now report that out to to the masses and the very stakeholders that need that information? Um, but at the same time, how do you also make it more relevant? And I as I stated earlier, I think just the natural melding of the traditional financial information and this new non-financial information that's represented by an environmental and the E and the S and the ESG is going to help, like you said, ordinary, everyday readers of that information be able to glean more meaningful information from from what used to be very complex and uh, convoluted um, information.
0: Sure. So um, do you see the new ESG requirements improving governance of the extractives or not?
1: And that's a very good question. Um, I, I'm i going to couch my uh, response based on just uh, my um, working on a large mining um, project some 10 years ago, and so. But to answer your question, I would say yes. I do believe that the new ESG requirements will improve the government governance requirements of the extractive industry. I just think it's going to take some time, right? So we all know that the majority of the global mining activities occur in countries um, with that have developing economies. So traditionally, in these in these countries, your governance frameworks have tended to be very weak. Um, which means that, you know, the mining companies can basically go in and, you know, like lack of a better word, wreak havoc in terms of their some of their business practices. Uh, well, the mining project that I had the privilege of working on, it had the it had the mantle. It kind of held itself under the mantle that it was supposed to be a, a very revolutionary 21st century um, project, mining project and that being said they their objective or they aspire to get to a point where um they could they would um help the government work in concert with the government to to help build up their particular infrastructure right of course that's a that's a very um you know fine line that you're walking there because now the question is okay how do you make sure that there's enough standards or 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 controls in place that the, um, that the mining company or companies are not um, having undue influence on the government. But that being said, I would say that going forward, if let's say, let's look at it from a social perspective, um, the S in the ESG, if a, a mining company is now required to report out on those social measures, um, mm-hmm. such as human rights, such as okay how are they giving back to the um to the country their host country or their or the local economy um then i think that as they as they go down that path they're going to be required to actually collaborate with the governments to help them in terms of developing those more um what we call stronger and uh, sustainable governance frameworks
0: yeah i i tend to agree with you because of course uh from a public expectation perspective mm-hmm. uh, and from a uh, if you wish shared benefits perspective mm-hmm. the the envi- the social environmental aspect are the key and in the past there hasn't been standards on what did, what does enough look like what does good exactly. look like and so presumably once we have global consensus on what constitutes uh, the right social environmental impact, then we can put that question to bed. The other, of course, has been the do no harm concept, which is to say environmentally, do your best to leave the environment in as good a place as possible, knowing that you can not restore it to its original form. And again, uh, whether physical, spiritual, cultural, once we agree what that uh, environment looks like, post-mining, and during mining for that matter, uh, then we have a, a, a stick, hopefully, once again, for putting those sort of issues to bed. But I have one last question for you, if I may. Mm-hmm. And, and it is this, do you envision any impact on financial reporting Uh, on transition to clean energy matters, specifically as part of perhaps the E in the ESG?
1: Uh, Yes, Uh, this is also a very good question. Um, So what I would say is that as we continue to make this shift from the fossil-based energy systems to the more renewable ones, one is that again it's not going to happen overnight it's going to take time and then two is that even you know let's say 20 30 years down the road we are not going to see a 100% replacement of um of renewable energy you're just going to see a more equitable ratio between the two so that being said the, as the the impact on financial reporting as we continue this transition to a to the um to renewable energy what you know, what I would expect to be seeing is um, you know more reporting and disclosures on climate change investment costs, right? So how much um, money um, actually bottom dollars is actually being made into climate change initiatives by those reporting entities. Um, another thing is the net zero emission cost. But then, of course, there needs to be some standards around that in terms of, well, well how do we how do we measure that? And then, more importantly, you know, making sure that there's no, no, there's no, um, no kind of what we call funny business or fudging the numbers, right? So that's where your oversight functions will need to be uh, very strong in order to verify this kind of information uh, when they're going in to do their separate evaluations. Um, other KPIs and metrics that would be looking at, you know, the greenhouse gas emission reporting and the related disclosures. And as I said, other earlier very, you know, designing, very climate change specific APIs and metrics um, to monitor and evaluate uh, how we continue this transition process.
0: Fantastic. Well, Dion, that was wonderful. My sense is that when it comes to ESG financial reporting and non-financial reporting, the truth of the matter is that we've just gotten started. Thank you very much for joining the Shida Kama Extractive Podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Sheila, and it's been a pleasure uh, for for me to participate in this process.